Well, here we go, gang. We've got 238 days until the midterm election. Uh, and in today's episode, it's the truth versus spin on energy in America. And beware, with baseball coming back, Democrats are working on a curveball to try and save majorities in Congress. What they're dealing the Republicans with advice on how to hit that curveball on this week's Dale Carter's America. From the heart of flyover country, he's not on the far right, and he's certainly not on the far left. Like you, he's somewhere in the middle. This is Dale Carter's America. I'm Dale Carter. He's Kurt Wheeler. And, uh, you know, before we get started here, where can they get us? What are all the places they can get Dale Carter's America? Now? So uh, if you're listening to this, just the audio only, make sure that you follow our YouTube and Rumble pages. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the uh, notification bell so that you get a notification when we have a new video out. We're also on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll, we will have more platforms coming soon. But the main thing right now is the video podcast. So if you're watching this on video... Hello. Hello. And uh, if you're not, check it out. All right. I wonder if Lawrence Cantwell is watching the podcast this week. If you are, hey, Lawrence. (laughs) Lawrence reached out to us, and he said, and I'm quoting here, that we are two empty seats with only slogans and no insight. Make America great again. Yeah, there we go. We got all the slogans going there. Um, and and I reached out to Lawrence and I said, man, I mean, you know so much about this. Maybe you should do your own podcast. And he said, oh, that's a great idea. How do I get started? And I'm like, how would I know? I'm just an empty seat. <laughs> yeah. You may know more about it than I do. Uh, I but- love the shade, though. We, we, we will gladly take all of your <laughs> hatred and shade on Facebook and Twitter. So, you know. Throw, throw it our way. Just give us a high rating, yeah. if you would. Right. Yeah, you can you can crap on us as much as you want, as long as you give us a five-star review, yeah. then, then you're allowed. So th- the latest on Ukraine, I was just looking at the wire before I came in. Um, there are talks going on between the Ukrainians and the Russians, but not at the presidential level. They can't seem to get Putin involved here. And Zelensky's like, if we can't get Putin involved, it's worthless, mm-hmm. because he's calling all the shots right now. And the peace talks, to me, seem pretty simple. Get the hell out of my country. Why are you even here? Uh, So that's the latest on Ukraine is we're into three weeks of war uh, between Russia and the Ukraine. And one of the things, I mean, you're still a newlywed, right? I've been married three times. So I can tell you that if you're ever in trouble or you do something bad, you should come out on offense. It's called projection. And you accuse them of what you're doing (laughs) and really get indignant about it. Mm -hmm. It's called projection, and it's exactly what the Russians are doing, I think. Are you sure you meant to say that on tape? um, (laughs) You want me to cut that part out? Maybe we can cut that part. I, I, nah, it'll be fine. Jennifer, if you're watching, it's a joke. He's joking. <laughs> it's, she knows. Trust me. She knows what she married. Uh, so I wonder if the Russians are doing that, if they're using projection uh, to talk about this this chemical thing that they're talking about to cover themselves for when they use chemical weapons in the Ukraine. You're talking about the biolabs? Yeah. I don't know, but I mean that our own government, our own Department of Defense and Pentagon has, has – uh, issued very mixed messages about this because first, so for, for those who are not aware, there was, there's this kind of, um, developing story around bio labs in Ukraine that are U S funded or U S run or something like that. And it's really confusing. I mean, I'm still trying to figure it out myself. Some people are saying that they're old Soviet, uh, biological weapons labs that the U S uh, and Ukraine have, taken over and are trying to 
deconstruct the old Soviet biological weapons or something like that. But that doesn't really make sense to me. I mean, does it really take 28 years or whatever it's been, you know, 30 years since, since the dissolution of the, uh, the dissolving of the Soviet union to, to do that. Uh, but at first they totally denied that the labs even exist at all because it was, that was, you know, viewed as Russian propaganda, blah, blah, blah. And you had administration officials, you had the media, you had the fact checking organizations online, all saying that, uh, it didn't exist. Russian accusations uh, are absurd, they're laughable, and, uh, you know, in the words of my Irish Catholic grandfather, a bunch of malarkey. There's nothing to it. It's classic Rus Russian propaganda, and, uh, and uh, I wouldn't, uh, if I were you, I, I, wouldn't give it, uh, I wouldn't give it a drop of ink worth, worth paying attention to. Yeah, but, but uh, can you explain to us, what it, has there been any relationship between the... We are not, not developing biological or chemical weapons inside Ukraine. It's not happening. They have a large uh, biological and chemical weapons program, uh, so it's a pattern, but they also have the capacity. Uh, well, I'm not going to get into specific intelligence. We look at all of those factors. Um, and we also know, and one of the reasons, one of the, the, the main issue that prompted my Twitter thread yesterday was that uh, Russia has a history also of inventing outright lies like this, which is the suggestion that the United States has a chemical and biological weapons program, or Ukraine does, that they're operating. Russia is the one, is the country that has a chemical and biological weapons program. So uh, the objective uh, was to uh, make clear uh, the inaccuracy of the information, the misinformation they're trying to put out, uh, and make clear to the world that they not only have the capacity, they have a history of using chemical and biological weapons, and that uh, in this moment we should have our eyes open. And But then you have other people coming out, including um, one of the people from DOD or something, I can't remember, saying that there are biological labs that are US funded in Ukraine. And now they're saying that they need to be protected because the Russians are coming in and they're afraid that the Russians are going to overtake these labs and then you release know, all this use stuff. whatever's right. in it. So yeah. I, I only have a minute left. Let me ask you. Um, does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? Uh, Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities, which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. So we are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces should they approach. I'm sure you're aware that the Russian propaganda groups are already putting out there all kinds of information about how they've uncovered a plot by the Ukrainians to release biological weapons in the country and with NATO's coordination. If there's a biological or chemical weapon incident or, uh, or attack inside of Ukraine, is there any doubt in your mind that 100% it would be the Russians that would be behind it? There is no doubt in my mind, Senator, and it is classic Russian uh, technique to blame on the other guy what they're planning to do themselves. What is the, the official narrative? What are we talking about here? Are there labs? Are there not labs? And then you have, you know, the, the thing that 
the left in particular, but the establishment in general is very good at is manipulating the language. And if you look at some of the statements that they've come out with, it's like, well, there are no U.S. Uh, operated labs or there are no biological weapons labs. And it's very particular a lot the, way of nuance. That, the way that they say it so right. that they're leaving room, you know, so Wiggle that room. Yeah. you could say that they're technically not lying, but it's, it's all very confusing. Well, the Russians are taking aim at uh, nuclear plants over there, too. I mean, they're shooting missiles at nuclear plants, which I think is problematic. Uh, and now today in the news, uh, there is fear uh, coming out of uh, our Senate Intelligence Committee. John Cornyn sits on that committee, uh, whether Vladimir Putin will use tactical nukes in Ukraine. And if he does, what does that do? What, what does that say? Does that ramp it up to another level? I mean, we're sitting on the sidelines. He's bombing places within spitting distance of Poland, and Poland's a NATO member. Yeah. I mean, if, if those missiles go into Poland, are we on the hook? If he uses a tactical nuke, something along the lines of Nagasaki or Hiroshima, uh, will the world come in and say that's a step too far? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not in his brain. I don't know what he has planned or what he's going to do. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I kind of think there is sort of an incentive for a lot of people to try and hype this up, you know, and and uh, get the uh, the war drums beating. There's a lot of incentive there. And it's it's just very ironic that you have people that are so anti-war you know, historically in the last couple of decades that are now beating the war drums and saying that we need to do something about this. And well, I'm just asking questions. Yeah, I don't, I I don't mean, know either. I mean, our hope is that, you know, he will stop this and, and we can get back to a negotiating table and talk and, and maybe uh, peace will break out over in the Ukraine. Uh, meanwhile, the uh, sanctions are continuing and they're having an effect. But this is where, you know, we have information freedom in this country. Mm -hmm. You know, I get to go on my show on KFKF and poke fun at whoever the president is. And I've done that in both political parties without fear. Well, they, they have such a grip on information in Russia right now that a man has chained himself to a McDonald's restaurant that was in the process of closing because with the sanctions and the American businesses saying they don't want to do business in Russia, the man chained himself to the McDonald's and shouted uh, that closing McDonald's was an act of hostility against me and my fellow citizens. How much did this person weigh? That was that's my that's first. That's a great question. <laughs> first, <thought>. um, <laughs> uh, McDonald's temporarily closing its 850 restaurants in Russia due to the ongoing invasion. Other chains, Pizza Hut, KFC, Starbucks, also suspending business in Russia. But Russia is they're controlling the narrative within their own country, and they're saying that it's just the West doing that to punish Russians. Well, do you do you think that's not happening here? Do you think the narrative is not being controlled a, here? I thought about that when I wrote this. That's a great question. Because we'd like to think that information flow is free here. Uh, we have a lot of different outlets to get information where if you opposed what Putin is doing within Russia, you might not be heard from ever again. Yeah, and you know we've talked about this a little bit, but I mean everything that we're seeing across the board, but it, particularly about this Russia-Ukraine thing is filtered through various channels, you know, and, and it is... Uh, a lot of it does seem to be propaganda to me coming from both sides, coming from, um, you know, the Ukrainians too. And I mean, we've, we've seen lots of fake videos that have come out. Yeah. We've seen, there was just a video yesterday where Zelensky was talking about uh, the dangers of Ru Russian propaganda and how we need to fight Russian propaganda. He's filming it in front of a green screen. 
like to make it seem like he's standing in front of some government building when he's clearly not. So it's just, you know, I just don't trust anything at this point. And it's all like, I, I don't know what to believe anymore, you know? And then the other side of it is kind of what you're talking about with these companies pulling out of Russia and things like that. It's very interesting to me because we have many of the same people who, who immediately after 9-11, their first response was, don't say anything bad about uh, Muslims. Right. You know, no Islamophobia. Their, their first reaction after COVID was, don't say anything bad about the Chinese. You know, that's anti-Asian hate. We went through two years of that. And now we're seeing all of these uh, punishments being levied on the Russian people who have nothing to do with what's going on like all of these businesses pulling out of Russia, uh, social media pulling out of Russia. We had just the other day, Facebook uh, or Meta, as their parent company is now called, announced that they would be temporarily allowing calls to violence against Russians in certain countries. So you're not allowed to call for violence, you know, mm -hmm. against Chinese people because of the the coronavirus, which I don't think anyone was doing. That was a straw man to begin with. But now they're literally allowing calls for violence against Russians. Well, I, I think the goal of the sanctions is to cripple the economy to the point that Vladimir Putin's regime crumbles. I mean, I, I don't know how successful that's going to be because the Russian people have been under some sort of sanctions for decades right. for this or for that. So they're kind of, and, and Russians, quite frankly, are a tougher breed than yeah, we are. Totally. You know, I mean, it snows there, I think, in August. Totally. You know, so they... They are tougher, and then they've been toughened by what's happened to them over the years. So I don't know that they're going to be successful, but I think that's the, the goal of it. And in terms of controlling the narrative from the administration's point of view, I don't think they have a clear narrative. I don't think they know what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in some sense, that's what all of this boils down to um, is just that we have no position. We have no strength. And been talking about this the last three weeks, but you know, under Donald Trump, we had much more strength on this, on this, uh, issue specifically. And there was something, another thing that I saw where people were, you know, railing on Trump because he was nice to Putin, you know, he, he had nice things to say about him. And like, he was like, Oh, you know, we are friends and stuff like that. Well, yeah. I mean, think about, think about this. It, it took Reagan building the relationship with the Soviets and with, uh, what's the guy's name? Gorbachev. Gorbachev, thank you. Um, it took Reagan going to Gorbachev and right. sitting down with him and being friendly with him, but still positioning himself from a place of strength where Gorbachev knew that Reagan had the military and had the might to back up his right. words. That's what it took to uh, inevitably lead to well, the, the disillusion of the Soviet Union. And in the he first met place. with Gorbachev in Reykjavik, Iceland, and he came out of the meeting with... Um, Trust but verify. Right. Those were the words that came out of right. that. I mean, they became friends, Gorbachev and Reagan, but it was, you know, trust but verify. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's, uh, there, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it, it, you know, for the spin to come out that, you know, Putin picked this time to do this because, you know, of Trump or whatever. I mean, they were tying it to Trump. And I kept thinking the timeline on this is interesting because Obama was president when he walked into the Crimea without even a shot being fired. Yeah. Okay. And Biden's been president for a year, and this war's been going on for three weeks. So how in the hell do you tie that to Donald Trump? 
orange man bad. That's the yeah, beginning they, and end of the narrative. And I yeah, I've it. seen a lot of that on Twitter too. You know, people trying to say that this is Trump's fault because yeah. he was nice to Putin. And that's kind of what I was just talking ridiculous. about. It's, it's crazy. Absolutely ridiculous. Okay. Inflation now at, officially is at a 40 year high all the way back to uh, 1982. And I remember 1982. Um, there are some differences, but we're at a 40 year high. Everything costs more. You see it at the gas pump. You see it uh, when you go to the grocery store. Uh, I paid $55 to fill up my car. I mean, I don't have this huge gas tank or anything. I have just a, a standard Chevy, right? Right. And it cost $55 after my grocery store discount. Because now, when prices are so high at the grocery store, you're racking up even more points on gas. Yeah. So I guess that's a glass half full argument. Yep. Uh, but it still costs $55 to fill up my tank. Um, Terry sent me a note to our uh, Gmail account. Um, we appreciate that. Give out that email address. DaleCartersAmerica at gmail.com. All right. Terry says, I was around 40 years ago. So was I. Terry was just 24 years old, had his first child, lived in a small town of Lincoln, Missouri, attempting to purchase a 4,000 square foot home or, or $4,000 home. Is that $4,000 home? Anyway, he was earning like three bucks an hour, working uh, jobs three days a week. Uh, everybody else was cutting each other's throats, trying to earn a living. No jobs, no opportunity, no nothing. So, yeah, I felt it then probably more than now, even though now on a fixed income. The difference between 1982 and now when we had high inflation, we also had high interest rates. Mm -hmm. So if you were a saver, right, and you didn't have a lot of debt, you could put your money in the bank and you would actually make money on it. Right. Uh, I think my first mortgage, um, I paid 15% interest on my first mortgage. Mm -hmm. Last refi I did was 2.5%. Mm -hmm. So rates are really low. You're not getting the return on savings dollars, and you're paying a lot of high prices. Yeah. So your only choice is to go gamble it away in the stock market. That's It feels like that's what they want you to do. Yeah, or, or diversify your, your income streams. And I mean, that's, that's what I'm trying to do uh, because you know, just putting your money in, in the bank. I mean, even a higher interest, uh, account or something like that, you know, it's just, uh, it's not going to keep up with the, with the direction that inflation it's really is not. going. So, it, you know, they talk about money. Well, they talk about wage growth too. Mm -hmm. uh, wage growth, wage growth is being eaten by inflation. It's just mm -hmm. corroding away any gains and people are falling further and further behind. And they're seeing that, the, you know, it, it's not something you can hide, right? It's at the gas pump. It's at the grocery store. Um, and it's not going to go away. Um, yeah. And it just, man, I, I hate to, you know, be a tinfoil hat or whatever. I mean, but it just seems like so much of the stuff going on is a distraction from all of that. You know, like people are not supposed to be paying attention to what's going on here in America, to, to our economy, to the way that people are being treated uh, around COVID and, and race and everything else, the way people are being divided, the way our country is really being torn down and we're supposed to focus on Ukraine. We're supposed to focus on someplace that's thousands of miles away that has nothing to do with us. It, it seems like a distraction. It yeah. seems deliberate, you know. Well, with the election coming up in 238 days, Joey B went to the DNC last Thursday and made a speech and uh, you're going to drop a clip here, uh, but essentially what he says to the members of the DNC is is that everything's going great and you need to sell it better. And by the way, the American people just trying to stay above water don't understand this. We have to talk about it because the American people think the reason for inflation is government spending more money. Simply not true. The second big reason for inflation is Vladimir Putin. 
Democrats didn't cause this problem. Vladimir Putin did. Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, good luck. Good luck. It's like selling a, it's like a, I don't know. Well, I can't and, think of a good analogy. <laughs> and, and Kamala Harris pretty much said the same thing. I mean, so that's going to be the way the administration looks at it. And if you're um, a Democrat in a purple district, you know, something that leans a little red, um, I'm not sure what your reaction to this. I mean, a lot of them, a record number of them are retiring. They're not even going to run. Yeah. Get, speaking of Kamala, did you see her speech in Poland? Oh, it was terrible. Cringeworthy. Can, you want to drop that clip, Let's too? Let's drop a clip, yeah. We are here, and I am here in Poland today, as part of an enduring, long-standing friendship and commitment between the United States and Poland based on shared values and priorities. I am here, standing here on the northern flank, on the eastern flank, talking about what we have in terms of the eastern flank and our NATO allies, and what is at stake at this very moment. What is at stake this very moment are some of the guiding principles around the NATO alliance, and in particular, the issue and the importance of defending sovereignty and territorial integrity, in this case of Ukraine, in pursuit of what must happen, which is to provide humanitarian assistance, that we will give another $50 billion, the United States will, through the UN's World Food Program, to assist with humanitarian aid. Okay. <laughs> a friend in need is a friend in need. <laughs> I mean, she, first of all, she's word salad. Yeah. You know, this guy who talks about us being in an empty chair, yeah. he should look at Kamala Harris because she says nothing. Yeah. You can you can dissect all of her speeches and literally she says nothing. And then when she gets to an uncomfortable pause, she cackles. Mm -hmm. None of this is funny. Yeah. Well, it's fine. It's, I mean, it's funny in all the wrong ways, but <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it. you know, part of it is kind of par for the course, right? Like, um, I mean, I think Trump was sort of a departure from that. But in his written speeches, you know, he gave a lot of platitudes and things like that when he was reading off the prompter. Obama certainly did that. Mm. I mean, he was all platitudes all the time. But at least he was delivering it in a, in, a, in a charismatic, energetic way, you know, that kind of drew in the listener. Kamala is just standing up there and she's like, yeah, we're going to come together and not be apart. And uh, just, you know, if, if that's possible, then we can do it. And it's Ukraine just like, it's is a, so unenthusiastic yeah. and just so bad. <laughs> Ukraine is a country, a country in Europe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, are we watching, you know, Sesame Street here? We could drop that clip, too, because that was a separate thing. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, okay. In all fairness, though, in all fairness, we will drop the clip. In all fairness, she was asked with the, the thing that you're talking about. She was asked to describe it in layman's terms, right? But she took layman's terms to mean like you're talking to a first grader, you know, right. Like. If you're watching any level of news, even social media, you're seeing everything that's going on right now in the Ukraine. Break it down in layman's terms for people who don't understand what's going on and how can this directly affect the people of the United States? So Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists 
next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically that's wrong. Well, we'll get to first graders a little bit later on. That's uh, We're going to talk about first grader, kindergarten, first grade, second graders, I think and third I know graders where too. you're going with yeah, this. Yeah, we'll get to that coming <laughs> up here. Uh, but Jesse Smollett, you covered this on the uh, Facebook page, has now been sentenced for faking a hate crime. Yeah. I just want to say, and this, a lot of people have said this, but I'll, I'll repeat it. You know, uh, clearly we live in a racist country, especially in Chicago in the middle of the night in the winter. And uh, there was this very serious hate crime against uh, Jesse Smollett involving a noose and uh, other things. So I'm just glad that Jesse's attackers have finally been brought to justice. Not to correct you, but it's Jesse. What did I say? You said Jesse. Oh, Jesse. It's Jesse. Well, I'm glad that Jesse's attackers have been brought Let's to justice. Let's get it right, you know, okay. if we're going to do this. Um, and uh, good news, I mean, and some Republican, and I'm, we're going to get into this a little bit later on as well, but uh, the anti-lynching law mm-hmm. is this close to being signed into law, making lynching a hate crime. Um, anyway, we'll get to that coming up here, but Jesse has now been sentenced. I wanted to get to what's really going on uh, with energy, because the spin coming out of the, I mean, they definitely are spinning this thing out of the White House. Uh, what the White House wants you to believe, they want to draw the graph for the increase in gas prices, not back to January 20th of 2021 when Joey B took over. They want to draw it back three weeks to the beginning of the hostilities in the Ukraine. Right. You got to go all the way back. They've even got a hashtag, a hashtag Putin price hike. Mm-hmm. They're blaming it on Putin and, and what's going on in uh, the Ukraine. Now, that has exacerbated it, but it started way back when here, um, and you can't lay it all. In fact, the um, uh, the fact that we're not taking oil from Russia Russia uh, hasn't even started yet. Right. You yeah. brought you brought that up, and, you know, I hadn't, uh, I hadn't even realized that, so you were uh, doing some good investigative work there looking into that. I do try. You know, for an empty chair, I, <laughs> I do try here. Yeah, um, it's just such a great point because, you know, again, it goes back to what I said. I mean, it's a distraction. They're they're trying to put the blame on somebody else. They're trying to make you angry at somebody else mm-hmm. and not pay attention to what's actually happening. Well, okay, so here's what the White House wants you to believe and what they're doing. Joe is doing all he can. That's coming out. I mean, they, they make that comment almost daily that, that we're doing everything that we can. We really have no control over the price of gas. It's a global market. That's one of their go-tos as well. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm urging oil companies to increase their output. Now, if you owned an oil company, what might your reaction be to that? Duh. I I mean, my (laughs) reaction to it would be make up your damn mind. Right. Because your rhetoric has been anti-fossil fuel, anti-oil company, You've put in every restriction that you can. Right. Um, make up your damn mind. And then they're also trying to pretend, which you, I believe, pointed to last week, that well, they already have they already have the the lease. You know, why aren't they drilling? Why right. aren't they drilling? As Jen Psaki said in that press conference, you and the president are both talking about producing energy here, saying that oil and gas companies have nine thousand permits to drill now. They could be drilling right now. Would President Biden cut red tape? to make that possible. What red tape needs to be cut when they have the permits, uh, they have the capacity to do it? What's holding them up? Does President Biden think that each of these 9,000 leases that are available 
have oil or gas in them because industry experts are saying that uh, that accusation is, is a complete red herring. Some permits are viable and some are not. And that when you say that, this represents a fundamental misunderstanding as to how this process works. Well, first of all, the nearly 60% of leased acres remain non-producing. That's a lot uh, in the range of 20 million acres. So there are 9,000 uh, unused approved permits to drill in. They should not require that. Should not require us inviting them to do that. They should do but that themselves. The, the additional permits. So would the president? What additional permits do they need? There's no. The, they have the leases are there. The permits are there. I don't think they need an embroidered invitation to drill. That is, they are oil companies. Well, yeah, but there's all these regulations and permitting involved, and there's Red all tape. these things. Yeah, all this red tape that they have to go through that they're not able to because you put it there in, in their way. Now you're acting like, whoa, why aren't they, why don't they produce more oil? Why aren't they doing it? You know, and it's like, well, it's because of, it's because of you. It's because of the state. Exactly. And instead of focusing on all those executive orders that came out, the Biden administration is trying to focus it on one executive order, and that was um, the Keystone XL pipeline. Mm -hmm. So their return on that is, um, well, that thing wasn't even going to be ready until 2023. So it wouldn't be doing anything right now. Right. Well, it'd be a hell of a lot closer <laughs> yeah. if they had continued the construction on it. And I will point out to anybody who will listen in the administration that before they took over, we were a net exporter of energy. Right. How did we go? And that's the question we ought to be asking. How did we go from a net exporter of energy to a net importer of energy? Right. Right. It's a great question. And I mean, I, I think it just shows that there's a lot of other things involved besides just the pipeline. I mean, well, that was just that's just the top of the ticket thing that everyone focuses on because it's a big project. But you're talking about drilling on federal land, offshore drilling, um, fracking, things like that, which we've all discussed before. But now, you know, uh, Biden is making this push where he's not going to import oil from Russia, but then he's going to go to Venezuela and Saudi Arabia and Iran, you know, which is like, I, I mean, I would I would ask this, like, Let's talk about Iran specifically. Is Iran better than Russia? Is Iran like more uh, admirable or no. more moral or no. more noble that we should buy oil from Iran and not Russia? No. And, um, and the latest news from there is they fired a missile into our U.S. compound in Iraq. I was wondering if that was a no. I mean, is, is that a no to Joe? Yeah. We're not going to give you any oil? Because Maybe. at least that's an answer. Um, He'd you know, probably still take it, though, because he needs, you know, he's desperate. United Arab Emirates and the Saudis didn't even return his call. Yeah. How, how are you the president of the United States and you can't get another country to call you back? Oh, man, I don't know if I would want to talk to him either. And then you go on <laughs> bended knee to uh, Chavez down in Venezuela. Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. Communist dictator. I mean... It just, it's so crystal clear to me. Yeah. We have an ocean of oil. We have the ability to get it. Mm -hmm. Stop all this, you know, green standing, I call it, and, and let's get what's ours. And almost like, I mean, I know you're, you're a borderline isolationist. <laughs> borderline, yeah. <laughs> you want to pull up the fences and say, okay, you know, America on its own here. Well, America first is the idea. I mean, certainly, I'm not saying we shouldn't involve ourselves with anywhere else, but we should be treating America first we, in, in terms of everything, in terms of energy, foreign policy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I brought this up last week with the Ukraine thing, but, you know, we couldn't spend $4 billion to fund our border wall. And we, we had a multi-year fight over that legislation and that funding. It took them 
less than a day, like eight hours to decide on 13 or $14 billion to Ukraine for their sovereignty, for their border security. So that's what pisses me off. It's, it's that we're not taking America first. We're not getting America first from our elected leaders. In many cases, it seems like we're getting America last. Yeah. Well, in, in case you think that Joey B is really on our side, I, I want to go back to the debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, where Donald Trump called him out on what he was going to do. And if you watch this clip, you know, through all the stumble bumming that he does, you'll note that we are right on path, right on course with what Joe Biden promised when he was a candidate. With regard to being weaker, the fact is that I've gone head to head with Putin and made it clear to him we're not going to take any of his stuff. He's Putin's puppy. He still refuses to even say anything to Putin about the bounty on the heads of American soldiers. Your son got and three no, and no, no. million dollars. Sure. So out of that, I, I want to give you the solution for where I think we need to be right now. Um, and I, I've made some notes on this. Um, we need to make becoming energy independent a national priority. I mean, 100%. we got to stop, stop pussyfooting around here and make being energy independent a national priority. Cut the red tape. Get American oil flowing again. Stop saying, you know, well, they've got their leases. I don't know why they're not doing it. Right. Make it a national priority to get in there and cut the red tape. we got to have an all-in energy policy. Use what we have, but then give incentives to find the next big idea that would be cleaner and sustainable for our economy and our lifestyle. We can't just say, okay, by 2035, we're going to be doing wind and solar and unicorn farts. I mean, there's got to be something a little more solid to that. The market, you know, because I'm a market guy, the market has to run this thing. You know, we don't have a buggy whip industry anymore because at some point we, we got away from horses and buggies and all that. Mm -hmm. Okay. The market will dictate where we need to go next. And will it be cleaner? It probably will, but it's got to be sustainable. That's the other key word in there. And the stunts that they're 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 doing, like tapping the SPR and a gas tax holiday, mm -hmm. gas tax holiday through the end of the year. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's grasping at straws because they know that we've got this midterm election coming up, and it's like they think they can bribe the American people. They think that we are completely stupid, that we're idiots and we're morons, and it'll be like, oh well, that made gas go down about eight cents. Mm -hmm. Woohoo! Uh, you got to stop that. Uh, in California, I don't know if you saw this, actually floating the idea of rebate checks to offset high gas prices. How, is that, how would that work exactly? I have no idea. But they're going to write checks, I guess. I guess you turn in your receipts or whatever, and you get a rebate check. But that's what they're Man. floating out in California. That is all stunt-driven. We need a leader at a time where we have a president who has never been a leader at any point in his life. It seems like they can't come up with any solution that doesn't just involve spending more money and just just you right. know trying to spend the problem away like that's not that's not the problem the supply is the problem right that's why the prices are so high that's the only thing that's it that's that's the beginning and end but of it's it. a global market we don't have any control over yeah, this. yeah well like I said they're just trying to to wipe their hands clean of the situation um, and none of these changes that you're suggesting are going to happen because they're not going to take accountability for for anything that's happened you know it's it's putin's fault it's the global supply chain it's um covid, COVID you know it's it's everything trump's fault yeah it's trump's fault it's they're, somebody else right exactly you know exactly. Uh, at a time when you know and this is not a democrat republican thing because i could point to half a dozen democrat presidents in our history who have been faced with 
similar things Mm -hmm. who have said, okay, what we were talking about is not working. We've got to refocus and we've got to do this now. Um, I just don't think he's uh, capable. No, not at all. And the the entire administration and the entire deep state is set up to uh, avoid (laughs) accountability. And, and we had people as well, you know, on the, on the energy issue and on the Russia Ukraine thing, you know, coming out and saying, well, like they're, you know, they're getting interviewed and they're like, well, what are you going to do about energy? Like, shouldn't we be uh, drilling here? Shouldn't we be more energy independent? And it's like, well, we can't uh, really act like alone. You know, we're working with our strategic partners and allies in, in order to develop a plan. And everything we do is, you know, in, in consult with our strategic partners and allies. It's like, no, no, make a decision, do something. Screw them. They right. can do whatever they want. We're America. We do what's best for America. They they can do what's best for them. If we agree, then that's fine. We can work together, you know, but you, you shouldn't be beholden to, you know, the UN or, or NATO or anything else to, to make the decision that you know is best for your country. Right. They're so hypocritical, too, because they know at their core that we cannot just say, okay, 2035, it's, it's all going to be renewable energy. It's all going to be this or that. They know that our economy is driven by oil. It's just where we're going to get it from. Right. Okay. So they can say, well, well, we'll get it from other people. We won't produce it here. How does that make any sense? No, it makes no sense. And I, I, I'm kind of convinced, too, that this whole clean energy, renewable energy thing by 2035, I don't even think that they believe it. I think it's more of just a campaign slogan. It's right. something that, you know, for for the Democrats, it seems like a lot of times it's all about the next promise and the next promise and the next promise, you know, you, because by the time 2035 comes around, they're going to be on to the next thing and everyone's going to have forgotten about it. You know, we're not going to be 100% green energy by 2035, yeah. but nobody's going to say, hey, Remember back in no, 2020 when you said we were doing this? Like, what happened to that? That never happened because the attention span of the voter is that of a squirrel, basically. And they're going to have moved on to the next thing. And then the Democrats in 2035 will be talking about the next promise in 2060 mm-hmm. and the next promise in 2100. Well, they've been saying for 40 years that we've got 10 more years because right. of global warming or climate change or this right. or that. Um, and we continue to outlive that. Yeah projection. It's amazing. Yeah. You just keep moving the goalpost and you keep, uh, you know, shifting the people's focus. Okay. I got about four or five things I want to talk to under the category of Democrats are great at throwing the curveball, AKA uh, distractions that are going on. Um, and how they get Republicans into like, um, you, you know, if you've got a mouse in your house, you know, you put out this trap that's got like the sticky stuff on it and a mouse steps on it mm-hmm. and they can't move. Mm-hmm. The Democrats have traps like that for Republicans. They walk right into it, and it's like, oh shit, I can't, I can't move, I can't mm-hmm. move. Um, you know, a, a great example of that was when Democrats kind of determined who the Republican nominee for the Senate was going to be back the last time uh, Claire McCaskill ran, and um, they worked us <laughs> into a point where Todd Aiken was the nominee, and Todd had some unfortunate things in his background, right. which then they exploited. Right. And then Claire won because Claire is like, I'm just like you. I'm a Missouri girl, right. you know, and, and now she's on MSNBC gaslighting all day long Yeah, because we know exactly what she is. So l- let me start with this one, uh, the anti-lynching law. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. And, and you pointed out to me that a guy that I have really been pushing out there as a candidate for president, Tim Scott, is on board isn't he like one of the sponsors of he's the one thing? of the sponsors he's very strongly coming out in support of this bill 
and it was uh, proposed by a congressman from Chicago who we made fun of mm-hmm. and said, you know, what's more important to people who live in Chicago right now? Is it rednecks running down the street with a noose, which Jesse Smollett tried to ask Jesse. (laughs) Um, Or is it somebody in a drive-by pulling out a gun and shooting somebody? Mm -hmm. Um, This thing is ridiculous. Lynching is, I mean, are we in 1950 again? Well, first of all, it's already illegal. It is illegal. If if you hang somebody by the neck until they're dead, it's murder. Yeah. We've talked about hate crimes I don't know how many times. As you have said, I think so accurately, can you define a love crime? Right. Right. A hate crime. It's a crime. Murder is already illegal. We already have murder and hate crime laws on the books. And I heard a really great breakdown of this. I forget where it was, but this lynching law may actually decrease the penalty for said crime because it's like a max penalty of 30 years or something like that for lynching. So you can hang somebody and only get 30 years for it as, as opposed to the laws that we have now, which that would be considered murder. That would be considered a premeditated, you know, murder, like first degree murder. And you would get whatever local or state hate crime legislation you have on top of that. You're looking at going away for life, if not the death penalty from that. So this, this idea that it's not already illegal and that it's happening and that we, you know, it's, it's promoting the Democrat message that we live in a racist country and that white people are to blame and that, you know, uh, black people and minorities are, are just only oppressed all the time. And to see somebody like Tim Scott come out and support that. And if you look at his statement, you know, you can look at his statement and, and this is what, when I told you in the text, you know, I kind of had a bad feeling about him when he made that rebuttal to the, whatever speech it was like last year, he's, he's, uh, playing into the narrative. He's saying like, well, you know, we have a lot of room still to grow as a country, but like, you know, this is such an important, like symbolic step and, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, you are undermining your own side. You're yeah. just like completely destroying any credibility that you had. Well, this is the trap again, that Republicans stand on the sticky and they can't move. It's like, because they don't want, because the narrative would be again, to our society writ large that has the, what did you say? The attention span of a squirrel. Yeah. I think that's, that's accurate. Um, the headline would be, well, they don't support the anti-lynching law. The hell's the matter with them? You, you, and your point to me was you got to play offense. You who can't cares? play into that. Yeah, who cares what the headline is? Do you like it, it goes to this whole, uh, you know, Trump should have. And I, I'm not trying to get into Trump. I'm just using this as an, as an example. You know, Trump shouldn't have mean tweeted because they wouldn't have called him a racist or whatever. They called Mitt Romney a racist. The most milk toast. Right. rhino boring candidate we've had in modern American history and the, he should be kicked out of the Republican party. He's a joke. They called him racist. They called him sexist. They're going to say that who cares? Don't play into the narrative. That's a losing strategy. And yeah. that's why we're losing. And you know, there were, there were some people that came out in the, in the house. And I mentioned to you, every Republican Senator voted for this anti-lynching bill and they should all be questioned as well. And there's some pretty strong Republican senators in there that voted yes for it. And that is a big mistake. Ted Cruz? That's a big mistake. There was like three or four in the House that voted no. And I mentioned to you over text, you know, all you have to do, vote no, and then go on Twitter or go on wherever and explain why you voted no. Because it makes total sense. It doesn't take that much. Anyone who is actually curious for the truth and has any, any 
amount of common sense can see that and say, oh, okay, that makes sense, and then move on. Okay, well, here's here's the political reality because, you know, I know you live in fantasy world where, you know, everything is perfect. We live in a very imperfect world right now. So th- we've got this midterm coming up. This is a curveball the Democrats have thrown. And if you vote no on it, they're going to put out more direct mail than you can ever refute. It'll be a mail a mailer a day in the mailbox that says, Kurt Wheeler supports lynching. Let him do it. I don't care. And and you'd the, lose. The, the no, 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 no. I completely disagree. I completely disagree. The reason that we're losing, you want to talk about political reality. Yeah. The reason that we're losing is because we play into this bullshit. Is because Republicans see that. Republicans see that, and even independents or people who are just not to the left, they see that, and they're like well, these people are weak. They're not to be taken seriously. And it's true. They are not to be taken seriously. Republicans are playing into the hand that they are dealt by the left. That's why we lose. And until we start taking offense, until we start promoting our own narrative, instead of just responding to their narrative, we're doomed to fail every single time. That's the political reality. As I told you in our text um, exchange, when you run, I'll vote for you. Sure, but I mean, there are people like look at look at Donald Trump. Yeah, look at Ron DeSantis. Yeah, for example, especially Ron DeSantis. Now you know he has taken the opposite track. That's why he's so successful as a governor. That's why he is maybe the top contender for at this point for the Republican nomination in twenty twenty four because he's not apologizing. He's not playing into the left's narrative. He's coming out and saying. No, we're not doing this. No, you're lying. You're fake, you know, like Trump said. You're fake news. Yeah. And that's the winning strategy. We'll see how DeSantis does. I mean, I I hope he is the nominee. I really do. I'm just fed up. I'm and this is why I'm getting so animated about it. I'm fed up with this idea that, oh, well, we can't look bad. We can't have them calling us a racist. Oh, you know, they're not telling you I agree with you. I'm just telling you why they're doing it. I know, but and I'm not saying you are. I'm just but there are people out there saying that. And that's I think why every Republican in the Senate voted for this for this bill is right. because they're afraid afraid of the backlash no stop it well that's exactly what they're afraid of uh ronald reagan was was great at this because when they would hit him with whatever ridiculous charge because you know you want to starve children you want to kill old people he would just smile and say there you go again <laughs> right and that was it right yeah that was a great response um or just we- even like just like okay yeah what All are right. they going to do? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned DeSantis. He signed the bill that they're calling the Don't Say Gay Bill in Florida. And there was actually a story on this. I didn't bring it in with me that 60% of people surveyed think it's okay for schools to talk about being gay. And it has no, no basis in reality as to what the bill is. The bill, in case you're wondering, uh, says that uh, parents have to take the lead on this in kindergarten, first, second, and third grade. Right. Do you want a kindergarten teacher talking to your kid about being gay? Absolutely not. Yeah. That's what it is. Kindergarten, first, second, and third. Fourth grade, school's wide open. You can talk about it all you want. Well, they shouldn't be doing that either, but I mean, it's But I'm saying this bill is is geared toward kindergarten, first, second, and third grade. Yeah, it's at least a step in the right direction because, I mean, what's happening now is our kids are being indoctrinated into radical gender ideology at a very young age, um, you know, you have teachers that are uh, talking about their pronouns and talking about sexual education with little kids. You right. can look at it all over the internet. Go follow Libs of TikTok on Twitter, and you'll see endless, endless examples. All right, I pledge my heart, I pledge my heart. to the rainbow, to the rainbow, of the Nazi.
so typical gay camp. One camp. One camp. Full of pride. Full of pride. Indivisible. Indivisible. With affirmation and equal rights for all. With affirmation and equal rights for all. Watch your heads. And it's scary stuff. And so this bill is a step in the right direction. And I want to take this back to the last thing because I'm stuck on this, but you know, they call it the don't say gay bill, right? Right. That would be like the, the reactionary Republican response would be like, oh no, I think you can say gay in Florida. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. You're playing into the narrative of the bill is the don't say gay bill. And then you're reacting to that instead of reacting to what's actually going on. So here's what I can tell you. Uh, in the state of Florida, uh, we are not going to allow them to inject transgenderism into kindergarten. <laughs> First graders shouldn't have uh, woke gender ideology imposed in their curriculums. And that is what we're standing for because we're standing for the kids and we're standing for the parents. Uh, and I can tell you this, there, the chance that I am going to back down from my commitment to students and back down from my commitment to parents' rights yeah. simply because of fraudulent media narratives or pressure from woke corporations, the chances of that are zero. Yeah. And, it, and when you have companies that have made a fortune off being family friendly and catering to families and young kids, you know, they should understand that parents of young kids do not want this injected into their kids' kindergarten classroom. Uh, they do not want their first graders to go and being told that they can choose an opposite gender. That is not appropriate for those kids. And so if you're family friendly, understand uh, the parents who are actually raising families want to have their rights respected. And I also think that if you have companies like a Disney that are gonna say and criticize parents' rights, they're gonna criticize the fact uh, that we don't want transgenderism in kindergarten and first grade classrooms, if that's the hill that they're gonna die on, then how do they possibly explain lining their pockets with their relationship from the Communist Party of China? Because that's what they do and they make a fortune and they don't say a word about the really brutal practices uh, that you see over there at the hands of the CCP. And so in Florida, our policy is going to be based on the best interest of Florida citizens, not on the musing of corporations. Because you had people all over Twitter, all over the news, literally who think that this bill says that you can't say gay in Florida. And they're just coming out like gay, gay, yeah. gay. <laughs> Again, it's because the Democrats are better at this. They're better at throwing the curveball and putting Republicans yeah. in a corner. They're so much better at the messaging and controlling the language and everything like that. And it takes us, I mean, we've been at this almost 45 minutes to try and separate truth from fiction. Uh, and they can just say, well, why can't you say gay? Yeah. And then you're, as a Republican, you're like, you almost sound like Biden. Yeah. At that point. Okay, well, here's another issue. Um, this is from the Batman movie. Did you watch the Batman movie? I did, actually. Yeah, I saw it last weekend. Is it worth the three hours? Um, you know, people are saying, oh, it's the best. I've seen actually both sides. I've seen it's yeah. the best Batman movie ever. I've seen it sucks. I thought it was pretty good. It, okay. It's kind of a little bit different. You know, I mean. I was, is it long, though? I mean. It's long. And yeah. I'm not. 
I'm not a super big like superhero movie kind of guy. I mean, I've I'm kind of getting worn out by all that stuff, yeah. but it does have kind of a little bit of a different vibe, so it's well, worth seeing. This is kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't moment here. There's a scene in the movie, you've seen it, I haven't seen it yet, that's drawing criticism from some Asian Americans. The scene shows <laughs> oh a group of men following an Asian man off of a subway. You remember this from the movie? Okay. What they're they're planning to assault him, but they get stopped by Batman. Who informs oh, yeah. them that he is vengeance. Right. Yeah, it's okay. at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Well, okay. Critics took to social media to call the scene triggering and insensitive given increased violence against the Asian American community. Some wondered if it was an intentional commentary about the current spate of hate crimes. Others were thankful that Batman was at least able to stop the attack. So damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you present this and Batman stops it, well, you you've put Asians in this role. Right. And if he doesn't stop it, aha, there's Asian hate. Right. <laughs> so damned if you do, damned if you don't. Well, I will say that the uh, the bad guys in that scene were all white, which is... You oh, know, well, there not, you go. It's not a... <laughs> let's just say it's not necessarily a reflection of the uh, statistics on anti-Asian Asian yeah. hate crime, but, well, you know, so well, it's okay. <laughs> they sell these things as Republicans being out of touch, and they sell it very well. They win elections... And then when they win the election, they continue their leftward march, right, mm -hmm. towards socialism or whatever the hell they want this country to be, uh, reliant on anybody else for our energy, and we'll just send you a check. Everything's going to be fine. You don't even have to work. Yeah. It'll, it'll be fine. That's the leftward march. And if we put that into a thing, you know, do you think the government should support you from cradle to grave and you don't need to get a job? No, of course not. I mean, maybe some people would say that. Well, you know, it, it just brings up a lot of questions, I mean, about all this stuff, like how many people actually believe this you know like is it just the vocal minority of like shrieking cat moms on twitter that are making an issue out of this or is it actually like a a plurality or majority of people you know like the florida thing how many people out there really think that this bill says that you can't say the word gay in florida is it just idiots like a handful of idiots or do people actually buy into it you know do people really care about this scene in the Batman movie, right. like, or, or not, you know? And I think that's kind of where the rubber hits the road. That's, that's what really matters because obviously, you know, you're talking about elections, you're talking about voting, you're talking about supporting policies and things like that. So the, the, uh, position of, of the majority or the plurality of the people you right. know, is, is in question. Well, we'll find out in 238 days. Yes. <laughs> if, we the, will. if the little shit got in the way of the bigger shit. Yeah. And then uh, more than a thousand days from now, we'll find out if we can get an actual leader who goes into the White House who leads yeah. and, and not follows. Um, I wanted to mention this before we, we get out of here. Um, down in Joplin, did you see what happened on Joplin? Uh, there was an officer involved shooting. I saw something about it, but not, not too much. Yeah. Uh, Corporal Ben Cooper was killed, and then uh, I assume the other officer, Jake Reed, has died as well because they said he was not going to recover from his injuries. Um, and the suspect in the case, um, Anthony Felix of Joplin, was also shot in the deal. Um, and I'm not even sure what race this person is because when I did this story on the air both times when we talked about Corporal Cooper dying and then the fact that Jake Reed was not going to recover – um, I called the guy a thug and I, you know, there were a couple of people who called after that and said they couldn't believe that I said that it's not a racial term. He's a thug. And one guy said, well, what's your definition of a thug? And I said, you kill a cop, you're a thug. End of story. So it's a black guy. 
I don't know. Out a lot I of still the don't thug know if it's a black guy. I still don't know. Anthony Felix, forty of Joplin, was killed in the event. Let me tell you what happened here. It was last Tuesday. Police responded to a disturbance, which could be anything, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, they roll up outside of a shopping center. Uh, the investigators say two officers exchanged gunfire with this Felix guy. He opened on them immediately. Then he stole a police car. He fled before wrecking the car and fleeing on foot. Officers chased him to a street near an apartment complex. Um, police say Cooper died from his injuries. Reed will not recover. Um, police say Hershey, another officer, encountered Felix as he was trying to steal another car. Police say Hershey tried to box in the suspect to prevent escape, but the suspect fired through the patrol car window and struck Hershey. Another officer, identified as Captain William Davis, then finally shot Felix and fatally shot him, uh, left his position of cover, exposing himself while the suspect fired weapons or his weapon at the officers. Police say if not for Davis' actions, other officers or citizens could have been killed. Now you tell me why this guy's not a thug. Sounds right to me. I mean, low-life thug, subhuman, whatever you want to call him. I mean, maybe misunderstood. And what I said in the Facebook post that I made out of this, in some circles, we need to go beyond this story. We need to know what his race was. Because, you know, in in certain circles, race determines actions. That should determine how you react to the to the situation. Right. Yeah. Uh, was he misunderstood? Did he only have a mom at home? Did, did he come from a broken home? Were there psychological issues? Yada, 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 yada. Yeah. And I don't believe in any of that. I believe actions are greater than race. And yeah. I still don't know the race of this person. I don't want to know. He killed two cops. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's nothing wrong with, you know, obviously you want to know about the background of the person, maybe what motivated to them to do this. Maybe, you know, if there's some broader issues to be addressed societally or with mental health or over medication, you know, mm. which is a big one. Um, but well, that doesn't take away from the severity of the crime that was committed by the individual. At the end of the day, the, it is... It is uh, the autonomy of the individual that has led them to do this. You know, you can't say, well, you know, they were this race or they had mental issues, therefore they're not responsible. Well, if you support cops as much as we do on this podcast, I want to remind you again, the Mike Mosier Memorial Tournament is coming up on March 24th. Uh, The details at herofundusa.org. Great organization, the first responders, first responder. We've talked to Daryl Smith many times on the podcast uh, and on the air at KFKF. Good guy. Um, taking care of those first responders who walk into situations. And you want to talk about race? There are a lot of black cops who walk into bad situations and come out on the wrong end of it. Yeah, especially in Casey Mo. A lot of black cops in Casey Mo. Chicago. But hey, at least we're going to have an anti-lynching law that's going to be a hate crime now. Mm -hmm. I mean, that makes all the difference in the world. Does that mean that Jesse would go away for longer if they passed it? Because he faked a hate crime. I'm not sure. You know, there was a noose involved, so. Yeah. But Would we have g- to look and see if you fake it, do you also get time for that? Yeah. Probably not. We'd I have to know. create a separate <laughs> anti-fake lynching bill. All right. Before we go away for uh, good here, we always try and kick with something. And, and my friend Mark Alford um, is going to be doing an event. Tate Stevens is going to be part of it. And since they're both wearing cowboy hats and it's just kind of a fun video, I thought we would uh, drop the video in from Mark Alford and um, Tate Stevens. So. Until next week, we'll keep an eye on everything happening. We'll try and come back and not be empty chairs and come up with answers. Yes? Absolutely. This is Dale Carter's America. Hi, everybody. Mark Alford here, congressional candidate for the 4th Congressional District of the great state of Missouri. We are here at Big Iron Town. This is kind of a 
hidden gem in Pleasant Hill, Missouri, and this is going to be the site of a big event come March 31st at 6.30. Tate Stevens is going to perform here in a benefit concert for Alford for Congress. Tate, good seeing you. Good seeing you. Tell us about your new album coming out and what we're going to hear on uh, Thursday night. Uh, brand new stuff. Um, got with it some of the best writers uh, I could find. And, and um, I just, I believe it's the best stuff that I've recorded to at, at this time or to this time. Uh, yeah, so I'm excited about sharing it. We go way back. You used yes, to sir. play some benefit charity concerts when I owned a horse stable. Yeah, that's right. That's and right. Uh, before you were the winner of X Factor. Yes, sir. Um, what is that? It's got to have been 14, 15 years yeah. ago now so we've, that we've known each other. And um, through the X Factor thing, you guys covered that. Obviously, Fox uh, did. And But, uh, yeah, man, it's just it's really cool to see what you're doing now um, and, and, and letting the truth be told. And, and really, that's what we need as Missourians. Thank you. I look forward to uh, hearing you on Thursday night. Come on out. Uh, you can uh, reserve your spot now on our website, offeredforcongress.com. Uh, it's not very expensive to get in. We just want to see you here to sh share a little truth with you. Uh, I'll be speaking that night. Tater will be singing. <laughs> we'll have a, a little libation, I'm sure, and some Absolutely. good food. So Absolutely. come on down to Big Iron Town Thursday, March 31st at 630. Hope to see you there. The views expressed on Dale Carter's America are Dale's and Kurt Wheeler's. They do not necessarily reflect the views of KFKF or Steel City Media. Comments can be sent to dalecartersamerica at gmail.com. Check back for weekly episodes. Subscribe, spread the word, and give us a five-star review. Thanks for being a part of Dale Carter's America.